unprompted worship um, and the things that we do. Um, <laughs> things that we do. That wasn't me falling off the stool, just <laughs> in case any of you weren't looking. <laughs> um, the things that we do outside of this building, uh, Monday to Saturday. But what about what we do in here when we're all together? Um, and mo more importantly, how do the two relate to one another? Um, do we have to let go of the individuality and diversity that we practice and experience out there when we come in here? Uh, no, is the answer. Um, one example, uh, I have a, a type of way of worshipping God that I prefer. Um, for me, music has always been the way that I've connected with God. Puppets are like bottom of that list. Like, especially puppets that look a little bit like people, they kind of creep me out a bit. Um, and when Rob said, oh, what if we use puppets? I was like... Do we have to? Uh, but actually, it really illustrates the fact. <laughs> it really illustrates the fact that it takes all sorts uh, to worship God together, and actually, God can speak through all sorts of different things and different people. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, yay, puppets! <laughs> um, gathered worship isn't about forgetting our individuality and and all the things that we experience. Monday to Saturday, uh, leaving it at the door when we come in here to do what someone's decided worship should be. Um, it, it's about embracing all of those things and finding ways to challenge ourselves in our own um, minds, our own attitudes, um, to see the things that we don't normally see as worship as having a rightful place uh, in our worship together. There's a two-way element that's been mentioned as we've gone through this series, uh, which is that what happens in here and what happens out there inform and inspire one another. Um, the series is based on a book, this book, I recommend it, it's very good, um, which is called Whole Life Worship. Um, and there's a bit in it uh, which, uh, which says this, it starts with a quote from Gerard Kelly, if anyone knows who he is, I, I don't. Um, <laughs> It, he says, it seems that we are being asked to choose between inward focus and outward flow, between gathering and dispersing. This feels dangerously close to asking a patient if they would prefer to breathe in or breathe out. We can and must do both. And the book goes on to say, is the inhale more important than the exhale? Is the right wing of an aeroplane more vital than the left one? No. Our gathered and scattered worship need to be dependent on each other, inspiring and informing one another in a virtuous circle. I think that the, the capital C church, the, the institution um, of the church, is generally very good at seeing our gathered worship as being more important than our scattered worship and being the thing that fuels our scattered worship. We think we come to church on a Sunday and we, um, we sing together and we pray together and we hear the word of God, and that's what sets us up for the week. Um, and then we have the week, and we kind of start off okay, and then we get kind of a bit, ooh, and then we're like, I need to go back to church and get fired up again. Um, and actually, it should be as much the other way around as it is that way around. But the only way that we can change that is by thinking actively about it going the other way, both as leaders um, and also individuals as part of churches, um, challenging our own perspectives on firstly, whose job it is that we worship right? Um, is it the job of David to make sure that we are all worshiping together on a Sunday morning? Or is it my, it, no, but not me for all of you, but my, uh, your individual job 
Um, you know, is it, is it John's job that John worships properly? Is it Rich's job that Rich worships properly? Um, or is it somebody else's? Um, we also need to challenge our perspective on what worship is, which hopefully this series has done as we've looked at how we can worship in our, um, in our workplaces and in our relationships. Um, and we also need to challenge how we use language and practical expression, um, both consciously and subconsciously. How many times when we come into this building do we have our welcome and our notices and say, right now we're going to worship, as if what's happened before hasn't been worship. Um, and that's something that is challenging for all of us to think about because it's so ingrained in our brains uh, that worship is one thing rather than another. Uh, we're going to read um, from 1 Corinthians. If you've got Bibles with you, feel free to follow along. Um, if you haven't, don't worry, I'm going to read it. I've remembered to put my glasses on for this service, which I didn't in the first service. Um, my Bible has very, very tiny print. <laughs> so 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, I'm not a hand, therefore I do not belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has composed the body, giving great honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one suffers, all suffer together. If one is honoured, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually, members of it. So it talks there about how, obviously, our human bodies are made of different things, and our church bodies are made of different things. You wouldn't expect your knee to catch something if someone threw something at you. Um, so as a church, we have to think about how we, um, how we are all being used and how we are all serving and worshipping God as one body. Um, because I might be a hand, but someone else might be a knee. And that doesn't mean that they should do what I do, but we should be working together as the body of Christ. The other key thing about gathered worship, um, when we're all together, uh, is that it reveals the true nature of worship, not as being between myself and God, or yourself and God, um, but about also being between myself and you, and all of us and God. It's three-dimensional. We have an upwards dimension, which looks at God and focuses on him. 
We have an inwards dimension, which looks at ourselves, but also our community. And we have an outward dimension, which looks beyond that at the world outside. But we need to be embracing those dimensions and seeking God together. Gathered worship reminds us of who we are in Christ and of God's purposes for his kingdom. It reminds us that we are set apart. We are set apart, not just, you know, I'm set apart, you're set apart, but together as one body we are set apart as well. It creates us, um, it gives us specific opportunities to be refreshed by the Spirit and receive God's empowering. That's why it's important that we do gather together and worship together as one body. I don't, um, I don't like driving very much. Um, and I know a lot of people, when they're in the car, they feel that that's when they connect with God, maybe because you're on your own with your thoughts or you've got music on or whatever. Um, I can't separate driving from the hatred of driving. <laughs> um, so for me, that's not a specific opportunity to worship God and to be empowered by the Spirit. But being here amongst you um, and, again, for me specifically in music, that is opportunity and it's an opportunity I only get when we're here together. Um, it also is for, gathered worship is for the glory of God, the building up of his people, and the transformation of the world. So that's those three elements again. The glory of God is up, the building up of his people is in, and the transformation of the world is out. So you see how there's three, um, three dimensions. The only way that God specifically asks us to conform in our worship is in our wholeheartedness. And for each of us, again, that will look different. For some of us, that will be in whether we raise our hands or whether we move without moving our feet <laughs> uh, to the music, um, or whether we speak in tongues or share words of prophecy. Um, for some of us, that will be driving. It will be baking. It will be cleaning toilets. It will be accountancy. Whatever it is, God asks us all to be wholehearted in worship, to give our all. In um, Colossians chapter 3, it says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And you might think, oh, yes, but I can't, how can I drive on Sunday morning when we're in this building? I can't serve God as part of our gathered worship by driving. Actually, Breton Fellowship are always looking for drivers for excursions and things. Um, if driving is something that helps you to worship God, why not do it for the church? Why not do it as part of this body? If you think, oh, well, I'd much rather be in my kitchen on a Sunday morning than here, why not come and be in this kitchen on Sunday morning <laughs> making tea or coffee or on a Thursday helping with the cafe? There are all sorts of ways that we can use our individual gifts. Um, at the very end of Joshua, I think, I believe this is like his deathbed speech, because the next thing that happens after he's finished talking is uh, that he dies, um, being 110 years old. Um, and uh, the, this, is in, this is in the last bit that he says, and, and part of this is a, a verse that is very well known, um, which many of us may even have up in our houses. I have it up in my house. Um, embroidered. It was a wedding present. In fact, small detour, it was a wedding present to my parents um, from Karen Corston, who was very dear to our family. Um, and when Simon and I got married, Karen had passed away, and so my parents gave it to us. Um, and whenever I see it, I think not only of the verse, 
but also of Karen's example. And she was a wonderful hands-on, really get you stuck in, really get stuck into practical worship sort of person. Um, and so I'm thankful for that every day because I am much less of that kind of person and I would like to be more. Um, but anyway, the passage um, 24 verse 14, it starts and it says, Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. The Lord drove out before us all the people and the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. And the challenge there is, you know, what, what are the things that God has brought us through as a body of Christ? And do we have that same attitude of the people of Israel saying, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord, we will serve him as well. What is this house doing? Are we using our scattered lives and gifts to contribute to our corporate life? Or are we kind of sitting on our hands um, and, and assuming perhaps that it's not the place for it or that there's not the opportunity. What we're going to do now is hopefully going to change that perspective if it is a perspective you've encountered. Um, there are various pieces of paper um, around the walls. Um, there's also going to be some on this table and I've got some which I've printed out so that those of you who are less able to move around, I can bring you a copy for you to um, have a look at uh, where you're sat. So if you would like a copy um, then give me a wave in a second and I will bring one over. Um, but each of those pieces of um, paper, they're, they're the, the whole set, there's a set of seven, basically. Um, so if you see something twice, then go find something you haven't seen yet. <laughs> um, and each one covers a broad area of ministry in the church, whether that's the pastoral work, which under its own umbrella encompasses so many things that I did not even know about until I came to prepare this service. Um, so hopefully you'll all um, learn something new as well. Um, whether that's prayer ministry, whether that's men's and women's ministries, whether that's worship ministry, whether that's children's work. Um, uh, but each, each thing gives you a bit of information and gives you some prayer pointers. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to have um, some time now where you're all going to disperse. Um, you're allowed to talk, it's not an exam, yeah, it's fine, <laughs> um, and give you an opportunity to look at some of the things that are happening in this church and some of the ways that we can give our scattered lives and our scattered gifts to this gathered body. Um, when you've done that, there's going to be three bowls of Duplo on this table. <laughs> My magical, wonderful assistants have helped there. Um, and a small wall, which was started by the first service. Um, what I'd like you to do is to take a brick back to your seat, um, and that brick is going to represent something that God's put on your sorry something that God's put on your heart to pray for within the church. Again, that could be a specific 
person leading a ministry, for example, Anne, or it could be a specific area, for example, cafe, um, or whatever it could be. And you're going to take that brick back to your seat um, and you're going to pray for that thing. And then we're going to move back into a time of sung worship um, and we will bring our bricks to the front and add them to the wall um, as a visual reminder that though we are many and many different people, because we will all choose different things to pray for, we are all building God's kingdom here in Breton together. Um, so um, if we can pop the music on, we've also got a slideshow of some of your pictures that you've been sending in um, over the um, series. So um, you can have a look at those as well while, that, while this is going on. Um, and yeah, just really commit these things to God and think about how he's challenging you and what you can bring to, to this body.